are listening to Bridge the Divide podcast with Erica and Heidi. We're a team composed of one black woman and one white woman coming from different backgrounds, but united in friendship. We provide a forum for discussion and action around racial repair, reconstruction, and eventually reconciliation. We are passionate advocates for treating all humanity with love and respect. We contend that hosting conversations gives us an opportunity to develop relationships and engage with our community to create joint, achievable, and long-lasting solutions together. We invite everyone to come to the table for these podcast discussions, but know that the expressed opinions and perspectives of our guests are their own. podcast it's been a while it's been a little bit (laughs) uh but it feels like riding a bike behind the microphones we're just getting right back to it um in in the background we've been working on the technical side of podcasting we had to hire someone to help us out but we're (laughs) we're hoping that we can um get our podcast to you in easier ways so you can follow it um more easily and so we've been spending some time on that and now we are back in the studio and today we have with us Tom Jens. He is our new friend. He's a photographer and he has a lot of stories to tell today. Um, per his own description, he's an older white man. <laughs> he was born and raised in Wisconsin, but he spent his career mostly in Minneapolis and LA as a writer and producer of corporate films, documentaries, and a TV cable network programs. He now lives in the Western Milwaukee area. And so, um, Tom, tell us a little more about yourself. Uh, yeah, I, besides my regular career, which you just described, mm-hmm. by the way, I suspect we're on a tandem bike here since there's three of there, us. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> here he is. Yes. I, uh, photography has kind of always been my love and my kind of second sideline. So, um, I guess I'm more of a people photographer and i always been interested in small town and vanishing America, rural life, basically, because it's an area of our country, a culture of our country that's vanishing slowly. And so I've spent, no, on and off many years just cruising around the back roads of the Midwest and the West and talking to people, shooting pictures and uh, kind of recording my thoughts. And I got to thinking about five or six years ago uh, that... It might be interesting to do a similar story on urban America, on the on basically the inner city. And uh, Milwaukee is one of the I'm going to say three or four cities like Newark, Detroit, Baltimore, are ones that come to mind that that has a significant inner city hardcore inner city problem. Uh, it's because um, I guess you could call it uh, how how much these industrial cities have changed. So how have they changed? Um, well, I'll give you an example of Milwaukee here. Uh, in 1963, the population of Milwaukee was 741,000 people. 8% were African American. In 2018, the population has declined to 595,000. 40% of the hardcore inner city 
or African-American now. <clears throat> what exactly is the inner city? As, as I guess most people define it, um, it's called the central city, the hardcore inner city, and the slang term that a lot of residents use is the ghetto. Um, Milwaukee's uh, inner city scene is, here's a few statistics, 90% are African-American, 40% of the men are unemployed, there are many single mothers, it has a high crime rate, and that includes gangs, robbery, car stealing, domestic disputes, drug dealing, prostitution, welfare scams, and even murders, which uh, uh, you read in the newspaper quite a bit. One in five houses are vacant or abandoned, and a lot, uh, much of the housing is public housing. So with the uh, controversy of racism that seems to have come to the fore on social media and politics and so on in the last many years, I decided that I'm just going to walk the streets of, of this area and see if I can't get to know people, you know, and uh, know another culture, mainly the African-American culture in that area. So that's that's what I did, and that's what I've been doing for about six years on and off. And so you were, were you just curious to kind of see for yourself what what the culture was, yeah. if it was different than what the media portrayed or what you were reading. Exactly, that's that's very well said. Yeah, I, I didn't, I don't trust the media because I've been in the media, and uh, <laughs> I spend uh, quite a bit of time when I read uh, any any news story uh, that uh, you know having with a kind of second questioning in my head is is this really what's happening? So I wanted to see for myself what this area was like. It, it's kind of been defined by the news media as, you know, a horrible area, troublesome area. Uh, don't go, don't ever go there if you live in the suburbs or a small town or something. Never go into the inner city. And I just think that's really unfortunate. So I decided, well, I'm just going to wander around, walk the streets. I didn't drive much. I just walked a lot and get to know just people, street people, anybody, people on porches, business owners, uh, and that's that's what I've been doing. And I've been photographing a lot of what I what I see when they'll let me, and uh, and then writing narratives about it. Mm -hmm. So that that kind of brings you up to date. Uh, what is? I'll just give you quickly. What is the neighborhood that I walk? It's uh, zip code. Uh, gosh, I can't remember exactly. It's kind of a well-known zip code. Five three four zero six, I believe it is. Five three two zero six. Five three two zero six. Excuse me. You're right. So, um, for those of you are who know Milwaukee or live in Milwaukee, uh, that would be East West ninety four to the south, and Capitol Drive to the north, and then North South forty three to the east and forty eighth Street to the west. Those mm -hmm. that's that's the general area we're talking about. So, um, you know, I can give you some of those experiences, or you can we can move on from here. Uh, just a couple of questions for I mean, even of your description of of the inner city is it from the people that you've met or talked to would they agree with your your character characterizations assessment, of yeah. it, the assessment of it would they would they disagree do they i mean i'm uh, there's just a couple of you know things that just make me jump a little bit like street people i'm like uh-huh does a person who is homeless or struggling 
would they call themselves street people? How would they feel hearing sure. it? So, so how how do they feel about your assessment? Okay, of, okay. Well, first of all, yeah. everything I say is anecdotal, right? I mean, it's not, there, other mm-hmm. than these statistics. So I can only speak to what I've what I've been seeing. Gotcha. And photographing, and yeah, they call themselves street people, and uh, they call the the ghetto the ghetto, and um, most of them don't like it, mm-hmm. don't like where they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the older people that I run into, they're like any anybody anywhere in that they don't like living in a crime-ridden area or an area that has some lawlessness. Uh, there's some anger there. Uh, You've got to remember that this area was a um, fairly thriving area back, mm-hmm. I'm going to say, in the 60s, even the, even up through the 80s, in that there was there were businesses there, industry, uh, the brewing companies, Alice Chalmers and so on, that where a lot of people worked, white and black, immigrants, mm-hmm. Italians, Polish, and lived in this area. Mm-hmm. And then when the industry, traditional industry, went away, which it did, you know, in our country, basically went to other countries. A lot of it. Um, these people were kind of left out in the lurch, mm-hmm. you know. And the middle class uh, African Americans and Italians and Polish and Jews basically moved out. You know, they left. So, uh, who is left there for the older people are still some people own their homes. Mm-hmm. They've done a good job of raising their children. They worked hard. They have a pension. They have retirement. When you get into the younger group, uh, I'm talking kind of gangsta types, um, uh, people that are less fortunate that maybe grew up in public housing and single mothers, now you're in a different category. That's that's pretty grim, a lot of it. And growing up in the inner city, I would have to separate anybody that's a thug or a gangster from somebody that's in poverty. Like that's not... I don't see them as the same, mm-hmm. describing them as the same group of people. You know, that they're, right. they're separate. I will have to tell you uh, that I don't see poverty in the inner city. There are no homeless. Homeless do not go in, into the inner city. It's it's too scary for them. They hang out on the perimeter or down more along the lake there, along the Salvation Army and through there. So... Um, I haven't spoken of the, I guess you call it the, the welfare or foundation system, and that supports a lot of people. So they don't, they're not impoverished exactly, but they're, um, because they're living in this area that's so, uh, I guess you call it a third world economy and so on, they're, they're kind of stuck with, with some of the stuff that goes on, mm-hmm. a lot of this lawlessness, lawlessness that goes on. So... Um, I, I'm conflicted in that I have I kind of feel like the older African American people and their families feel that gee, just can we just live our lives, you know? Mm-hmm. And then then the younger ones, I get angry at. I'm I'm uh, you know it, it. We're let me just maybe I'm advancing this a little, but I see human beings as being prejudiced. That we just basically are tribal. We're, we have tribalism. We come from tribes. We come from different races. That brings that brings uh, uh, prejudice in. So, you know, we could talk about that a little more. But uh, I, I admire what you you guys are doing here to try to maybe bridge the divide here mm-hmm. between you know races or 
color or, you know, classes. That would be my fondest wish if we could just have a dialogue. Yeah. We have to go to a break, Tom, but when we come back, I'd like to hear, I think our listeners would like to hear more about your observations. And, um, you know, is it a place that they have to be scared to go? What What's the humanity you're seeing in the city? And so all that after the break. what it's like when you go down into the city and you park your car and you start walking the streets tell us stories okay <clears throat> excuse me i uh my plan is usually just to park on a busier street one of the main thoroughfares because you, you just don't park your car on a side street i've had i have had my tires slashed and a few other nasty things happen but I've learned my lesson. So park my car on one of the busier streets, and then I just start walking the streets. Now, one thing that's interesting that I've discovered is that there's no eye contact or very little eye contact between people when they're just walking the streets. So I decided I'm going to always give someone eye contact, no matter who they are, and give them a smile. And if they respond, which sometimes they do, sometimes not, then I'll tr- stop and ask how they're doing. You know, like the old-fashioned way we used to do things. You know, we actually used to talk to people on the on the yeah. streets and on, or on porches. If I see uh, people sitting there, and that that is kind of common to uh, the inner city, you'll see pe- families sitting on porches. I might walk up the porch and talk to them. Sometimes they don't want to talk to me. Sometimes they're fine. Sometimes I take their pictures. Sometimes I just talk to them. So. It was my way of getting to know people. Um, in general, I, I don't know if you want me to talk a little about each, some people I've met. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, I, I kind of bro- break it down into like crime. Um, well, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about crime first. And those are, uh, crime is mainly car stealing or drug dealing. That's the, the predominant amount of crime. So... Uh, I try to talk to, I've tried to talk to drug dealers and, and people who take drugs, and I've, and I've tried to talk to people who steal cars. Uh, they're not too, some of them are, will talk to me, some won't. But um, it's, it's an underground economy, you know. So if, if, for example, the way the car stealing works is they will um, generally go out to the suburbs and steal cars and have 14- and 15-year-old boys in the gang steal the cars because if they're caught they're let out because they're juveniles so Mm. that's how the system works and then the cars are take generally taken down to chicago and sold um so how can you tell someone how can you tell that someone's business just by walking the street about someone's a drug dealer yeah drug dealer or car stealer how can you tell that oh because um the there are certain corners that i've gotten to know outside of these corner stores where the drug dealing goes on okay for instance, I got to know this uh, this younger man. These are all African Americans I'm talking about, <clears throat> who owned a nice little corner store. There's a lot of there are a lot of corner stores in, the, in this environment, and it's called DK's. 
And I kind of followed him over the next two or three years, and he was struggling. You know, he was really struggling trying to make a go, go of it. And I told him one day, I said, you know, DK, you should, uh, why don't you sell beer? You know, this is where you make your profits here. And he said, I could get a license, but he said, as soon as I started selling beer, and it's true, the drug dealers will show up right on the corner there. So, um, see, I was in there a couple of weeks ago, and he went out of business because he couldn't, couldn't make a go of it. I was there a few weeks ago, and I went to that corner. Now the store is closed, but there was a guy with a baseball bat, tough-looking guy, who was leaned in. The way they work it is a car goes by. They lean into the car, and that's generally the guy who runs the drug-dealing business. And, oh, and then they wait for a, another car to come by to buy the drugs. You know, that's how it works. Anyway, I, I asked this guy, I said, why are you carrying that baseball bat? And he said, he said it's security for the corner store. Well, corner stores closed so finally he got to talk to me and well it was security for the drug dealers which were happening kind of across the street in a park but that's just an example of, of talking to someone and he actually let me take his picture and he talked uh, he didn't talk much about how they do it but he just talked about his own life and stuff so. hmm. and that's what I try to do is get people to talk about their lives where do they what's their background how did they grow up and once you understand how many of these people grew up, you can begin to empathize with mm. what, what they're going through. That's what I was just going to ask you. Yeah, how's it Oh, my changed? God. I mean, they, they, they've grown up without fathers in the family. They've grown up maybe with uh, – maybe – how would I say this? They have maybe a mother who's – and their, their siblings are half-brothers and half-sisters because they were different fathers, but mm. the fathers aren't present. And then when they're younger, they are often recruited to be in gangs, you mm -hmm. know. So, and that, that's like their, that's, that's a substitute for their fathers, I would say. That's how I look at it. I mean, it's anecdotal. Go ahead. So what, what, <laughs> what of what you're doing and what you're finding and what you're describing that obviously feeds into a lot of the stereotypes and a lot of the things that you'll hear on TV, maybe media, maybe movies. What of what you're doing is, is it addressing that? Is it making it better? Is it bringing a different light to people? Because I think it sounds like what everything that you've just said is going to make sure that nobody in Cedarburg ever crosses the county line again. Because now we've just said that everybody there is a drug dealer and there's baseball bats and we're stealing your cars and no that was just so, the crime part of it no i talked yeah, i talked yeah. about the older people who are incredibly responsible citizens who hate the crime who right. tell me over and over i had a guy just the other day an older gentleman uh henry henry finches who was sitting on a, a corner store just sitting there and I, I got to talk to him and he said that he laid the cement right in front of that store he was a cement contractor for years before he retired, and he can't stand the crime, and he wants the people off the street. The problem is, uh, for people like Henry, is that at least this is his his view of it, is that these people, when they're arrested, they're taken to jail and they're let out. They're let out either on bail or, you know, the judge doesn't want to keep throwing people in jail, so. This is a very small percentage of what you see in the inner city. So I would say just the opposite, that I'd love to see people. 
I don't want to see anybody just walking the streets like I do. That, that's not a, a good thing to do right now. But you could, and this may be a whole other subject, but I've gotten to know some of the, some of the leaders, the, the uh, pastors of, of the inner city and their churches, and some of the other, other uh, foundation leaders you know, that are trying to help with educating children. And I was hoping that maybe that would be a way to, for people to start just talking to one another, you know, maybe getting together in church groups or because the church is probably the, the most solid foundation in, in that whole area in mm. terms of teaching good values, teaching respect, and uh, trying to raise children that have discipline and live in quality lives. So it's almost like there's a tiny percentage of people who almost like ruin it for everybody else, you know. Mm. And then, and this may be another subject again, um, this whole, uh, what would you call, paradigm like you just described is just starts filtering out to the public, your people who don't live in this area, and uh, how can you have a dialogue when this is what people in, you know, Wausau, Wisconsin think, you know, or in Cedarburg or wherever it is, think that this is, oh, this is really terrible. We can't, these people are just awful, you know, and uh, to say nothing of the, of the color difference. So I think they're wrong. I think they're totally wrong. And So what is the hope? What is the hope? Like, can, is the work you're doing give you hope? Or... Does it feel bleak? Does it feel hard? Like, does it feel like there's never going to be any solutions? Or is the work being done in the churches or, or by people who care, does that give you hope? Or or is do you see, like, <clears throat> humanity in these people's eyes that gives you hope? What is it? That's a good question. Well, uh, let's see. I was uh, the other day, uh, last time I was in that general area, there was a, there was a, a, a black preacher giving a, like a Bible study thing out on a little park mm-hmm. to uh, oh twenty or so of his parishioners that were all dressed up really nicely. There were children there. It was it was really uh, inspiring. I thought, and I told him that afterward. I just stood there and listened. And uh, so that's one side of the coin. Were very encouraging. Mm-hmm. I just wish there were more people that would come into these churches and you know whether you believe in or not. You know mm-hmm. at least the church is a community thing. So. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, you know, the same day I run into this really young woman, black woman, who's a prostitute on mm-hmm. the street. And I, I was walking along and I started talking to her, and sure enough, she comes out. That's what she's doing. And and I think, and she's kind of sweating, you know, and drug-induced, and and that is discouraging to me. Mm-hmm. And it and it's very discouraging how women, the younger women, are treated in that, that whole culture. In terms of, if you think of the rap music and the lyrics and stuff, and mm-hmm. the way they're talked to, it, it's just. Uh, you know, I just try to tell them, don't do this anymore. You know, but that's what they feel their options. I are. guess so. It must be the options. So. Um, so when you were, you said you worked some in rural areas and taking yes. pictures there. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you do the same kind of assessment in a rural area? Have yes. you So mm-hmm. you have the same in your books or in your websites. You're, we're talking about the crime and the, the prostitutes in the rural no, there area. there are any prostitutes are in the rural areas that I know eh. of. Okay. 
Well, I mean, we could talk about that. It's again, everything's anecdotal. Okay, right. I have not seen any any uh, organized prostitution in rural towns, but maybe there is. You know, again, I can only go drugs and crime, and yeah, I I guess it's just one of the things that we talk about a lot is trying to, you know, let people tell their story, right, and and so that you can see their humanity. But if you go into an area and in one area and show and describe only one thing and you go into another area and describe another thing, I don't how I don't see that as necessarily being helpful to the people that are there. So what are what is the prostitute that you just met? What is she now getting from you now that you've met her? How is that bettering her life I, I, from you know. I, I don't think it's my obligation to, to be helpful to people. I, I'm just trying to okay. tell the story that I do. I don't know how I could help the person. Uh, you know, let's as long as we're in that subject, I talk. I talk to the police. You know, who are largely disliked by, by uh, black and white police by by the citizens, and they're discouraged in general because they'll pick up drug dealers or they'll or even prostitutes or pimps they're taken to jail and then they're back out on the street within the next few days and I don't know why that is but it's discouraging if you're a policeman you're trying to clean up a neighborhood and that's that's what happens so um, I think yeah. you're just you sound like a, a recorder of observations <laughs> yes you're I'm not you're not you're not involved in interventions except if you think your photos bring humanity to people. Yeah, I do think that. Mm-hmm. But I think what you're worried about, Erica, is that they reinforce all this, this. These stories reinforce the stereotypes. But you're saying, Tom, that this is a very small population of people. It's a few blocks neighborhood. But this is how a lot of our listeners or people that don't know people outside of their race think of all African Americans. And so that's if, if the, the newspaper if the newspaper reports, let's say, a murder in, in you know the inner city, um, right away whoever reads that, suburban people, small town people, go, Oh, that that's the way it is all the time there, you know, when it isn't. So that's reinforcing stereotypes. I've asked um, George Stanley, the the editor of the Milwaukee Journal, and a couple of their reporters, come on, follow me in. I'll show you what it's like there. No one's taking you up on it. Won't do it. Because um, that's not the paradigm. The paradigm is that these people are, are, I keep saying these people, that area is so downtrodden that we can take care of it through uh, social welfare, you know. And you can partly take care of it with social, but there's a lot more to it. So I just think you got to get to know people. You know, if I guess we're in general here talking about overcoming racism, aren't we? That's what, yeah, what your that's organization. Yeah, that's what our is. group is about. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the way you do that is is to get to know a person, one on one or in small groups, or and just understand. You know, that we're just people. You know. Yes, we are prejudiced. Yes, we're tribal. But but so we can get along. I mean, that's what America is, you know. Anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. All right, well, in. we have to go to break, but we'll finish up with Tom in a few minutes.
Yes, um, we were just talking a little bit more here off air about this whole subject, and um, I um, tried to explain that this is my photographs, my narratives are anecdotal. I've tried to show the best and the worst of, of the inner city, um, but I don't have the answers. I, I can't. I can't be helpful in the sense that I can solve the problem. Uh, I'd, I told you what I'd like to see, the leaders getting together, the groups getting together in the churches. Maybe either one of you could tell me what you think should be done uh, because clearly there's a problem of racism you know, throughout this general area. So. We, we talked about some of the worst. Can you describe some of the best that you've seen? Okay. Some of the good I, things. I thought I did, seen. but I'll do it again. Okay. Um, the the leaders, the foundation leaders, Michael Adams, uh, Reggie Jackson, are two that I've gotten to know, are trying to help with the problems of the inner city in that they're trying to get some better schools, better education. Um, they agree with me that the biggest problem are fatherless families. They'd like to see some of these people, some of these men, uh, Take responsibility. Sorry, that was my phone. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't know. You're <laughs> making okay. faces. I didn't know. Apologize. <laughs> uh, and I would strongly advocate the uh, the pastors of these smaller churches or the large churches, which I've gotten to know a little bit too, in that they're trying to teach that what the, the the values of how to how to be a, a responsible person and. Um, and I could tell you, you know, I've told you stories about some of the older people I've met uh, who have those values and who, who live a responsible life and are doing their, their best to get along. And it, do, it doesn't feel like in our suburbs where we have what we need, we're safe, we have good schools, we don't want crime coming here. It's It feels hard to... Th- to imagine people not, like you said, not go down and walk the streets, but even take any interest in helping to fix those problems because they don't share them. And it's, they, they don't share, them. they don't share the problems of the inner city in the suburbs, right? Oh, right. They have yeah. jobs. They mm-hmm. have good education. Yeah. Some ungodly number of people in this County are married like 90 some percent. We have families. We have different problems in the suburbs, but it feels like it's it's almost an impossible divide to bridge. Yeah, it is a really difficult divide to bridge, and I, and I like I said before, I don't think social media or even mainstream newspapers help much for the way they they kind of stereotype everything uh, from the way people act in the suburbs to the way they act in the inner city. And uh, there's a whole culture that music and, you know, stuff that goes along with that, just the the way people act toward one another. Um, there, you want to bridge the divide. There's, there, I think you have to talk to people somehow, even if it's by, you know, by the phone or text or, or through churches. or, um, And I truly believe that once that happens, that uh, it will be a beginning to um, to bridge the divide. I, I just don't do not like what's 
for a lot, I don't like a lot of things that happen on social media. There's so many lies told. There's so many exaggerations just to make a point. That, uh, while it's wonderful that we're all connected now through social media, what a great thing. That's the that's the bright side. The dark side is stop telling lies. Stop trying to make your point by just lying about something you know that you don't know that much about. So, um, can you talk about the power of observation? Because that's really what your work is, I think. You yes. haven't – so like in nursing assess, in nursing process, we're both nurses, mm-hmm. it always starts with assessment and you gather information and then you move to intervention and then you see if your intervention's working. You, uh, you are on step one, the assessment, just taking in information. You're just observing. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe that feels hard for us sometimes. Like does it feel like – like Erica was almost saying – it feels like a National Geographic magazine where you go into that the tribe mm-hmm. and you take pictures, and what what we're left with as readers in those cases are like, wow, those people are so different than us. I could never relate to them. They but, have problems <clears throat> that they're so unsophisticated. So, if we look at your pictures, is that a potential um, difficulty? No, or I, just observation? I understand what you're yeah. saying. I appreciate both what you and Eric are saying. But you got to remember that if you go to my website, which if I can give a plug, it's sure. Tom, oh, Tom, TomJensAmerica.com. Tom J-E-N-Z. J-E-N-Z. Yeah, Tom, I I don't just take pictures. Every picture has a narrative. Hmm. And I'd say every single narrative, maybe there's a few exceptions, are empathic to the people whose pictures I'm taking. Mm-hmm. They tell the background story of the person, if I can have it, uh, or what they're going through now, the difficulty. And if you look at those pictures and you're not empathic, well, then, you know, you don't need to look at them because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's a complete story, just picture. But I, I was a – I probably done a thousand interviews for TV and so on mm-hmm. in my lifetime. So I've always been an observer mm-hmm. And I've always learned to try to be objective when you're talking to someone, take no stand like, oh, gee, I feel so sorry for you or you, you know, fool, what's wrong with you to act this way? I just try to listen. Okay, this is who the person is. You know, that's that's what I try to do. And I'm proud of what I've done. I think Mm -hmm. it's uh, just one person. But, you know, anyway, go ahead. And you have a book. I have a book you talk called about your book? Forgotten America uh, Images and uh, Images and What? I forgot. <laughs> images and <laughs> oh, Thoughts. Sorry. Images and Thoughts Upside by, down, excuse me, uh, Images and Thoughts by Tom <laughs> Jones, Forgotten America. It's just, uh, uh, it's mainly my rural uh, photographs, small town photographs, very similar with stories, anecdotes mm-hmm. in, in under each picture. There's some city urban stuff in there, but. Because it came out in 2014, most of it is is the small town and rural observations. So, are um, you thinking about publishing a, an urban one? Yes, I'd like to eventually mm-hmm. uh, turn my website, um, inner city Milwaukee images, into into some kind of book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I almost think it should be a grant or something, even if never, just because. You know, it's it's important what we're in our times now, and uh, you know, I I, I kind of stumbled onto you guys. Uh, I've forgotten how now. I forget too. <laughs> yeah, some some foundation or something. But uh, I, I just was so pleased to see that there's a there's an African American woman and a suburban white woman. Uh, excuse me, that are trying to um, 
do something. This is how we do things. Let's get together. Let's talk. I, I don't care if, Eric, you're living in a suburb or, you know, it just – we're of different skin colors. We have different cultural backgrounds. Can we, like, un- try to understand how we come, come from? And we all bring the, those backgrounds to right. our behavior. It just can't be helped. It's just the way it is. In your job, in your yeah. everyday meeting on right. the street, you bring all of your baggage with yes. you everywhere. And, and I, uh, I, I'm a, quite a history buff. And I read a lot of American history, and I am just so disgusted by the way African Americans, black people were treated in our history. It's just, it just just makes me sick. But I will say that we have to move on from that. We can't just keep dwelling on this, or we'll continue, you know, this sort of inner dark inner side where oh, there's a little bit of hatred here, even though I won't admit it, you know. Um, I don't know what to do. I'm old enough where I probably won't see a lot of changes, but but it'd be nice to see it happen. Mm-hmm. I think the millennials, maybe you guys agree with this, or not, I think the younger people in their 20s are more tolerant. Do you guys agree with that? I think they're in terms of, of you know, class and, and race and uh, – I, I, I think they tend to interact with each other yeah, more. Yeah, they tend to so interact more. So even if yes. they don't know or aren't sure – at the onset of a relationship, they, they're willing to interact more to, yeah, yeah. to grow a relationship. Yeah, and that, that's Learn really nice things. to see because some of the some, so many older people are so set in their ways. You know, mm-hmm. it's just uh, you'd like to smack them upside the head. Though, <laughs> though I would say our the majority of our Bridge the Divide attenders are older they're folks. Older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, that's good. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, they're taking they're gonna, the time yeah. and there's people that do want to change and want other people to change. I think we all, we all get frustrated and saddened by at times how much work there is to go. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to begin to fix any of those systemic problems, even though I understand now better understand where they started, you know, with the, we, Reggie talks about this stuff all the time when he Mm -hmm. speaks Industry leaving the city, right. people left behind, redlining, all the history that contributes. Mm-hmm. At least I have a little bit of an understanding. Right. And but, history that by chronology mm-hmm. may have been long ago, but really not feel not, like there's much changed in in many things. Yes. So trying mm-hmm. to balance the you won't want to change what you see as this is just the way it is for something because you didn't know how it got there. So mm-hmm. I, f- I see us going back to try to s- mm-hmm. say, this is how it got here. It wasn't organically this way. This was planned this way. So mm-hmm. now we need to fix it, which means you have to change it, but not just leave it as is, because it's always been that way. So I guess that's the way it was supposed yeah, to be. And, and, uh, not necessarily. I'll tell you this. Uh, for example, if there are drug dealing in, in the suburbs, white suburbs, which there is a lot of. <gasps> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> a lot of so, drugs up here. Lots of drugs. Versus drug dealing in the inner city. Mm-hmm. Oh, the white the white suburb, the teens, wow, we feel so sorry for them. They're just, they just, you know, they need to be fixed. They can go to their therapist or their psychiatrist mm-hmm. and fix it. Whereas in the, you know, the, the inner city, we're like, oh, these people are just awful. You know, mm-hmm. they're doing drugs. Well, both factions are doing the same thing, mm-hmm. you know. It's just more concentrated and it's more in the news than in the inner city than here. But we could we could go on and on about this and mm-hmm. I, I'd get on my high horse. But, uh, you know, like I said, everything for me is anecdotal. Yeah. Well, Tom, we, we appreciate 
you coming in today, sharing your observations. I appreciate the fact that you are brave enough and willing enough to go and listen to people. Um, even without really much of an agenda, you, you don't feel like you can fix things, but you want to meet people. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. And if more of us had that spirit, I think we'd be in a different place. So thank wow. you. Okay. Yeah. Thank we- you. Very good. Enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. We welcome your feedback, suggestions, and any program ideas. Spoken Word Artist Propaganda states, We need to consider the waters we swim in. Maybe it's not toxic to me, but it's toxic to my neighbor. And if it's toxic to my neighbor, it's probably toxic to me too. Let's breathe better water. Contact us on our website at www.bridgethedivide.life. You can email us, info at bridgethedivide.life, or reach us on social media. Facebook is Bridge the Divide Community, and on Instagram, it's Bridge the Divide Podcast.